This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. Next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? Hey, this is Arizona. I'm from Ashland, Oregon. Yo, Arizona, man. I, I think uh, I think you might be setting a record on uh, appearances here on the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, let's just catch up a little bit, man. I mean, you and I haven't really uh, talked in quite a while, and um, – How's uh, how's things been treating you with the whole COVID thing? And I know last time we talked, you had an injury. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a you know full, full spectrum uh, lifestyle, you know, with the with hiking and everything. But that's why I appreciate your show because you got the through hikers to the brew hikers. You know what I mean? And I'm <laughs> yeah. somewhere in the middle, and so I've got all these different things going on between you know trying to inspire other hikers to eat better between creating trails, you know, to add to the legacy, you know, with these national scene trails, plus because I think that they can be tremendous leverage pieces to do trail work and to preserve landscapes and to generate economy and to and to offer challenge for people. Um so there's that level. And then yeah, just lately I've just been more into the athlete, I guess, just the hiker, you know, just being out on the landscape because um you know, as an activist, that's one thing, and as an advocate and a you know creator, that's another thing. But then just to be, to step into the hiker. So, but the the common thread for me through all those things is is like nutrition and and also just you know the lifestyle that you choose to to live. You know, and I mean that can like allow for that. Like I thankfully live in a trail town, so you know all winter long I was able to train. And even though COVID has been going on, it's like, I have some backyard trails and then, you know, because I choose, you know, cause I'm not from Ashland, but this is just like my home as an adult. So, you know, I chose to leave where I was from to improve, you know, the chances of me just having a happy life. And so, you know, I had to search for a good 10 or 12 years before I found that spot. And this is just the base camp. This isn't, this is more like a pile of bird has a nest and then it goes and flies around. So Ashland to me is the nest, and then it's all about what it's all about the places you can fly around from here, for me. And so, um, you know, just taking advantage of that, and that's what my trails are. There are places within that uh, perimeter, and and then lately the adventures I've been doing the same thing. It's like I come back here and resupply, and um, and then head back out, and and that's kind of similar to when you're through hiking or something like that, you know. But instead of hitching, it's like I got the car and. And really, I've just kind of switched up just in my own personal life. Um, I just don't really like wearing a backpack anymore. So uh, I kind of grown out of it. I, I don't know what it is, but um, it, I don't know if it's grown out of it. But it's just like me personally, just like I just feel now the days that it's just nice to be able to go into a place kind of light, like really light and fast and and then just kind of come back and then have those creature comforts of the car camping and, you know, the ultra cozy setup and just 
you know, the heavy food and everything, but then still be able to go into these amazing places. And so I've kind of flipped the challenge around from it being, you know, how long can I stay away from society? Cause it kind of used to be like that for me. And, um, I'd want to do the 10 day and the 12 day and the 15 day. And, and, but nowadays, I don't know, I kind of, um, just coming off of authoring the books and everything like that. And, uh, just with the way things are nowadays with, you know, traveling and everything, it's nice to have a nest. It's nice to have a base camp place that I can be safe because it's not really, you know, kosher to just kind of full-time be traveling. So the places that I am traveling, I'm still, still super socially distant. And I'm able to do that because there are already remote places by default. And then I'm also able to go in in a way that's that's self-supported. So I don't really need to be hitting up the stores and stuff. Sometimes they're, they're more than welcoming. You know, sometimes I think they need the business and they kind of, even though there is COVID and things going on, like a lot of trail, trail you know, town kind of like resupply options, they still need to stay in business too. And as long as you do it safely. I think that there's a way to still, you know, still get some groceries if you need to or something like that. But I try, I've been trying to just arrive to my adventures this summer, already prepared for it, but I'm still using them as opportunities to invest in my health and still using them as, as opportunities to challenge myself and, you know, to take, take that, you know, take that, the perspective is what it really is because it's like, you think a 20 mile waterless is big until you do a 30 and then suddenly a 20 is not so big. And for me, this summer has been a real growth because I've been learning and challenging myself to see how much elevation I can do in a day and how far I can go. But a lot of that was letting go of the backpack because I used to do pretty good with the backpack. I still do 20, 30 miles and, you know, hike for, you know, four or five hours or whatever between breaks or do the elevation, things like that. But once, once I was able to drop the backpack, then I feel like this summer has just been been just kind of like running free plus now that the books are done and I feel like I was able to kind of step away and really step up because sitting on the computer all of those years for like two three years authoring you know the hot springs trail and the Siski peaks trail that was a huge mission I mean it was one thing to to hike the trail another thing to design it and then a whole nother thing to publish it and put it into a form you know that's tangible for other people to be able to follow so that process involved a lot of sitting so this kind of mission that I'm on right now with just like adventuring, just being a hiker myself is also just recovering from all of that sitting, <laughs> hmm. which is kind of crazy. So uh, long story short, but or short story long. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, man. You know, I, I just I love hearing hearing you talk about things and um, it, it's cool to catch up. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, maybe we should touch a little bit more on that just to I, I guess whenever I whenever I happen to run into listeners or people that know that, uh, you know, you and I have talked along the years and people might say something like, Hey, you know, how's, uh, how's owner, you know, the, the, the hot springs dude, or, you know, the hot springs trail dude, or, or how's, did he ever do the, uh, you know, the, the volcanoes, uh, tour, you know, the, the, the through hike and, um, you know, that kind of thing. COVID definitely affected that. <laughs> but, but yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. What about the whole food hiker thing? I mean, yeah. And that, yeah. I mean, I was going to, I was going to say that too. And so, um, what would you I've say? I've gotten some testimonials from people that have mentioned that they heard me on your show and that it's really helped them out. And some, one of the craziest ones was the guy stopped smoking cigarettes and he said it was crazy because he had never, he had actually, his real battle wasn't really with the nutrition. Like he felt like he could eat healthy or not. And that really wasn't his issue. But he said until he started taking the nutrition seriously and eating healthy, 
then he was able to actually quit the cigarettes because then it was like a whole package and he was actually able to feel it a lot better. And so he, he was like, it was actually when I, when he improved, I don't want to say odd, but it was when he improved his, like what the testimonial was, was he was, he was like, when I improved my nutrition, um, then I was actually able to quit smoking cigarettes, which was what I had been having actual issues with. So I thought that was really cool. <laughs> that is cool, man. So are you still, um, yeah. do you have any, like, obviously you still have a love for every single one of those things that people know you from uh, prior to kind of some of the things you've been doing lately. So to kind of go back to those, then what, what do you still hang on to? Is the whole food hiker really, um, I mean, that means a lot to you because that's really what you are, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want it to be just me. I mean, it's not me. It is like a lifestyle or just, it is just like a, a an intersection. You know what I mean? It's like some people, you know, are bikers or whatever. It's just like hikers. But hiking on Whole Foods is like a whole other thing, I feel like, because, you know, I mean, we we did a whole show on that. It's like one, sure. you know, there's one thing to be hiking, but I think it's another thing to be hiking on the Whole Foods. And, and, and there's even a lot of people that are on Whole Foods, but they're not really hiking. Like, and what I mean by hiking is like, you know, kind of like pushing themselves and, and using it as, a, as I use it dually. I use it as one, as like a physical therapy, like to recover from injuries and illnesses and things like that to keep to, as a preventative as well, prevented to prevent from getting injuries and illnesses. But I also use it as like going to the gym and pumping some iron, you know, to go hit a trail and get into some rocky stuff or hit an elevation or, you know, even to get out into some exposure the wind or the sun or whatever the case may be i view it as as opportunities yeah to to as like a therapy and the challenge and and that kind of ebb and flow between the two there's a lot of of um you can do it within a within a, a single hike i think have certain sections where you're kind of in a recovery, even stopping and doing some stretching and some yoga and stuff like that, or stopping and doing some push-ups and some sit-ups, mm. that kind of stuff. Um, picking up some rocks and using them like they're, like they're bar, you know, dumbbells or something like that. Mixing up the hike, you know, um, I think that's good to cross train it like that. So, um, I've always been into that kind of stuff, but, but that's how I got introduced really to hiking was, was recovering from injury. And then, then I saw, the opportunity to use it as more of like a sport, more of, more of like a gym kind of a workout. Um, and that's, that's kind of more what I've been tapping into lately. I feel like, cause I'm knock on wood, but I've been having, I'm not really injured or anything, even though I've been getting a lot of skateboarding in and stuff like that. It's, uh, things are pretty good right now. So I'm super grateful. Well, let's, let's jump normally. Into I say that yeah. because normally I have like, because I skateboard and I tend to and mountain bike, so I do get injuries. I mean, you if you 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 know because you followed me over the years, it's like there's times where I'm like, you know, breaking bones and smashing <laughs> my face in and losing teeth and all that kind of stuff. So um, right now, I don't have any any complaints as far as that goes. I don't have any scabs anywhere, no injuries or casts. So I'm I'm super thankful. But I even though I have been pushing it, I feel like, but um, yeah, just on different levels, I guess. Well, you know, I know that you've had this whole food hiker and and things that you kind of um, help other people just in through your through your own um, image to to do. Um, but I know that also you and I have had some conversations before um, that that the fastest known time world is 
something that you've been thinking about for a while. Um, we've never talked about it on the podcast before. Um, mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about your progression with that? Is this something that you have been, you know, maybe talk about that. Um, I, I think I, it, it would kind of be the similar thing. I have like different, different um, perspectives and, and I think I come from different different perspectives even if you look at my um you know my profile or whatever on fkt but yeah i was i've I've always i thought originally that fkts for me would be more like longer trails like these you know multi-month kind of like the pct or something like that um and i had even tried to do a few early on but it wouldn't have and and it never worked out for me and i never made a time or anything but it wouldn't have worked out even if i had because I wasn't doing it right to begin with the way that I was tracking it and stuff uh, like that. Yeah. So it wouldn't even have mattered if I would have made it um, because you really have, there's a, there is like a, you know, now I understand it. And um, so anyways, um, that was, that was a big part of it was just um, realizing that there is a, an, another world that's more like in the day hiker kind of world. And so uh, realizing that, you know, that there are FKTs that are in the day hiker realm and not necessarily the through hiker multi-month kind of realm. Then I just started looking at that. And then that was where I was able to kind of put the pack down and stuff and just start hitting shorter trails. But also it's interesting because like I say shorter, but you know, sometimes we're doing like 40 or 50 miles. It's like, (laughs) you're still doing them. uh, What would normally be like a four, you know, for most people would be like a three, maybe to four or five day trip, you know? but you're just blasting it in like a day. Um, so, but it's still seeing a lot, you know, if you do it the right time of year, the right time of day and stuff like that. And I, I've actually noticed that I see, I feel like I see more wildlife as I'm like a running and kind of blasting through than I don't know why, why, why that is, but it's just been, it's been my experience this summer and I've had some really good wildlife encounters, but um, yeah. So, so recently um, I've been using it as kind of like a, um, just an opportunity to train, but also like a bucket list trip kind of a thing. Cause I feel like, you know, it has to be the thing about the, the, and this is all just stuff I'm learning. So I'm just sharing what I'm learning, but um, you know, it, it it's really, it's not just any route. It's like the best routes, you know? So it's not, it's not just any old random thing. And I've gotten into publishing some routes because I feel like I have an eye for that anyways of, of, kind of noticing that was how I was able to to design my trails and my guidebook was by the by you know um kind of noticing certain things that maybe have been overlooked so I looked you know I scoured what was already on FKT and and there's different levels within it too some people are trying to do really obscure routes some people are trying to do like classic tried and true routes so you got your never been done and you got, you've been done for hundreds of years, you know what I mean? And there's everything in between. And so as a, as an athlete, it's pretty fun, you know, because you can set a new time on a wild route that nobody's done, but you can also, you know, try to best the time, you know, chisel away at something historic. And so you got different kind of athletes, different kind of opportunities. I'm a, I think I'm personally more into the wild, wild ones and figuring it out and that kind of stuff. Um, just by nature, I think it's more fun and, and less expectations and things like that. So, 
uh, anyways, I was looking through, and so you'll notice in some of my routes, um, you know, like one of them in particular is, uh, is Mount Eddy. So it's the highest peak east of I-5, or west of I-5, I'm sorry. It's the highest peak west of I-5. So mm. that's like an anomaly, you know what I mean? And then there's another one that's like the Heart Mountain Antelope Refuge. And the antelope, this pronghorn antelope that this refuge recognizes is the fastest land animal in North America. So, you know, it goes to the highest point in that refuge. And then, um, you know, little things like that, like it has to kind of have some, some EST to it, you know, some est to it to be, you know, um, like I said, it can't just be anything. So that, I think that's pretty cool because that's a challenge within itself too, is to find these anomalies on the landscape, um, is is pretty fun so that that makes it interesting to kind of stare at the atlas and stare at the maps and do some investigation into like um for instance i've, I've been looking at this one for a while because i accidentally found it i was looking for what what's the longest continuous ridge line in, in nevada and the one popped up in california and it's just this place in uh kind of down by Redding, kind of unheard of it has a road along it and some peaks and some lookout towers but it's yeah, there's like no information. It's hardly known, but it is the longest continuous mountain ridge in North America. Wow. And it's like, well, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And it's it, because it's a ridge line and it has this route already along the ridge line, you know. And I'm sure people have done it or whatever, but it makes a perfect kind of opportunity or playground, you know, opportunity to an opportunity to go have a vacation or to go have, you know, an outdoor experience. Um, and then also just an opportunity to challenge yourself, push yourself, you know, kind of get in with the community or whatever. And, um, and, and in some ways it, I don't think it's about the, ultimately the, who has the fastest time. It's just about like chiseling away and making it more ultimate for the next person. So it's like, I might best somebody's time, but then I'm going to be like, Hey, but I did this or you should do that. And then the next person will do that or avoid doing whatever the last person did and they'll get faster too by default of not making as many mistakes and so um as the route gets refined in that way and you're following gps tracks where you know you'll notice some of these routes if you really go through them you'll notice the first guy who did it it's like a mouse in a maze and it's just like all kinds of everywhere because they're trying to figure it out you know and then the next guy comes and they zoom in on the gps and then they don't make those mistakes and they go right to where the guy picked the trail back up and the next guy, his line's a little bit straighter, a little bit straighter, a little bit straighter. And we're all just stacking off of each other in that way as well. But then also it's just people are genuinely getting faster. You know, they're getting better gear and just better technique and uh, more stamina and everything else. And so you combine the refinement of the routes combined with the refinement of the athletes. But I, I feel like this is just, uh, well, I mean, that's why, why you called me is for my, my opinion, but my opinion is basically that I feel like a lot of the refinement of the routes, you know, obviously needs to happen on the wild side. And a lot of the refinement of the athlete, I feel like is happening on the more traditional, well-used side. So once, once the wilder routes become more defined and more refined, then I think that the, the more elite athletes will be, be more welcome to it because it'll be more comfortable because think about it. I mean, if, you know, something like the Hell's Canyon is like all this poison oak and 
or poison ivy. I'm sorry. Um, and then you got you know cliffs, and you're not you don't have a trail to follow for like seven miles, and um, and you got to cross this river and all this crazy stuff, and then it's way out there in the middle of nowhere, and so it's not that comfortable. And so um, you know the kind of people who are going to do that might not have you know, like me, like I'm not some elite athlete, but I'm really good at navigating through the game trails and through the cliffs and through that gnarly kind of stuff. Like that's, that's where I excel. So that's kind of my lane is finding the routes when they're still rugged and rough. Because for me, I can move through that landscape at a pace that most people can't. Where if I go to to the super refined, the ones that are like highways, I just get smoked because I'm, because that's not, that's not, you know, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a prairie animal. Um, I'm, you know, like a mountain crest kind of an animal. Mm-hmm. So it's in that, and, and that KT is awesome like that because there's places for everybody and you can figure out what you're into and you can find your lane and, um, and you can come in as, as a creator. I feel like people, if they're going to donate their routes, they should, or publish their routes, they should obviously go out and, and do them first. Um, but it happens, you know, people publish a route, they've never hiked it. Then, then somebody goes out and they want to hike the route and then they have like some crazy experience, you know, because they didn't realize <laughs> the reality of the route. So I've always ground truth my stuff before I publish anything. Um, you know, my books or anything like that. Um, I've already, I'm already used to that aspect of it. And so, um, but yeah, I just feel like FKT is an opportunity to find routes that honor traditionally used corridors and to find anomalies on the landscape and it's also just an opportunity to create challenges for people and also to create a challenge for yourself and just maybe maybe make like a little trip list and figure out four or five in your area and you know take take a week and go do do like a kind of like we used to do with the skateboarding or still do really with the skate trips you know go do skate trips like five skate parks you know it's like go do a fkt trip to like five awesome places <laughs> i mean it's great you can't you can't lose and, and a lot of them like i'm saying the ones that i've been looking at a lot of them are just day trips you know it's just like i'm camping at the car i'm living large i'm just you know eating good and sleeping good and then i just go out with just a pocket full of snacks i call it belt packing like when i see people that you know i'll be deep and um because i'm saying some of these are like 40 50 miles you know and then you'd be deep out there and they're like you get back to the trailhead they're like where's your stuff it's like, no, I'm just belt packing, you know, and then you really look and then you look and it's like, yeah, I got my rain jacket on my belt and I got like my sleeves and I got the bandana and, um, and then my, in my pocket, I got the filter. I got one of those little chargers to recharge my phone. I got the phone in the pocket and that's, you know, got the camera and all that stuff. So I don't need anything else. And then, you know, I just got like pocket full of snacks, just a bunch of dried fruit and some cashews and things like that and kale chips and yeah, ready to rock it for 17, 18 hours, whatever. Well, let's it's talk about fun. talk about <laughs> Hell's Canyon a little bit more, man. So this is the this is the most recent thing, and um, I think honestly, like you did a few other things that you talked about, but this one seems like it stuck out more than others. How, talk about that. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Well, I mean, not only just because it's like the accolade or whatever, just the deepest canyon, but it really is raw. It's it's even if it wasn't the deepest canyon, it's, it's like, it's a canyon that is super special. Uh, you know, something is different about this place than other places. And, um, yeah, just way more of a jungle vibe and 
more of a survival, like I'm saying, kind of the wild, wilder ones. This one wasn't just, I mean, there is the element of having to do the miles and having to do the elevation, of course, you know, but having to navigate and having to find your way through cliffs and figure out the line and avoid, you know, figure out the best line, figuring out the best line makes the best time. And so that's, that's the bottom line when it comes to FKT with, when it comes to the wild stuff. And so, if you having a terrible line and you're not making any, you're not making good time. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a skill to be able to move through the landscape in a way that is smooth when the terrain is rough and the game, the game, they know it's, it's really just being able to follow the game trails and, and water and just knowing kind of like erosion and aspect, you know, what, what side of the slope, you want to wind up on those kind of things. So that's, those are, those are where things get chiseled away. You know, I think some, sometimes, you know, a first person might come into a route and they only are going to do the physical aspect, you know, so they're just trying to do the physical aspect. And so like on Hell's Canyon, the first guy who, who really set the time, it was 36 hours and they probably, you know, they still had to deal with it, all the other aspects of it, but it was like they were also still just trying to figure out how to hike that far and hike that big in a day where I was coming in already having done that. I knew based on some of my previous hikes, I had already gone further in a day and bigger in a day, faster in a day, but there wasn't the elements that this route has, the river crossing and it just being so wild. And so you know, so they were coming in kind of figuring out the hike. And then the next guy who came in, he, and they were figuring out the route. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I forget about that. They were figuring out the route. So then the next guy came in and he was the same thing. He already knew that he could do the, he could do the physical feat. And now he had a track. So he wasn't worried about the route. So he mm. came in at 26 hours. You know what I mean? That's how much time this kind of stuff saves. So he came in at 26 hours, cut off full 10 hours, which if you look at the percentage, whatever, it's like, I don't know, 30 or 27 or something. Yeah, that's percent. Huge. I'm not that good at math, but <laughs> yeah, that's a good cut. And so then, then I come in, you know, maybe other people had, and, um, you know, so then I come in and it's like, I have the, I have the previous GPS to follow. It's like, I already know I can do the physical and, and stuff like that. So it's like, all I'm really dealing with is just, my own issues just like the river crossing and the poison ivy and so um that was my so the first time i went in i didn't realize that it was going to be such a issue and such a thing um but i was still able to do the time so i still made that i my goal was sub 24 hours and and the you know i'm trying to beat 26 hours so so i i did that but um as you probably know on the way back because the river really freaked me out. And um, so on the way back, I wound up getting getting a ride from a, a jet boat that was coming by. And that was a crazy thing in and of itself, just because, you know, I'm out in the middle of the wild and I didn't really realize, I had heard of Hell's Canyon jet boats, but I didn't put two and two together. And I didn't think that that they were coming right, you know, through, through where, where this crossing was going to be taking place. And anyways, and I'm just out there and, I had made the first way across the, the, my way across the river, you know, halfway through Hell's Canyon and, um, and it freaked me out. <laughs> so I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to get back. And, uh, and anyways, I'm standing there, I'm in my underwear, uh, and, uh, I got this bag tied to my waistline 
it's pretty crazy, dude. You ever seen Jeremiah Johnson, where he's uh where he's stumbling around in the creek bed and the Indians looking over him <laughs> in the no. snow? It's a pretty classic scene. It's pretty classic. He's like trying to catch a fish barehanded. He's just like trying to survive. So I'm out there just trying to survive. And then this boat comes by and it's like business people with like suits and ties and they're drinking wine and stuff <laughs> on this <laughs> crazy jet boat. And I'm like, hey, you know, all shaggy and everything. Um, <laughs> but anyways, they gave me a ride. So uh, that, that, you know, that really helped me survive the first time. So the first time my whole mental state was just like survival mission. It was really stressful anxiety. And I think that even that played on my time. So when I was going back the second time, see, then I already knew I could sub 24 it. But one of the things I was thinking to my advantage was, was that I wouldn't have that stress and I wouldn't have that anxiety because then I went and got a pack raft, which is, is just kind of, kind of a, kind of a, a little synchronicity. I think it's cool. Cause I've been putting that off. I've been wanting to do that for a long time and I've, I've been putting it off. And then this was a really good reason to get one. And so now I guess I'm officially a pack rafter and, um, this was my first trip. So <laughs> the Hell's Canyon and it, and it was, it was awesome, dude. It worked so good and it was so fun. And it, in the second time, what seems like it's hard, it's hard to explain, but it's just kind of like the first time I went down in there, everything was like on like a scale 10, you know, just super, super huge. And then the second time when I went back, it's like, it was like, wow, this actually isn't so bad. You know, it was more like a six or something. I think it was just my own anxiety and my nerves and stuff was just amplifying the river and the noise and the cliffs and everything was, you know, bigger and steeper and more deadly. And the second time I went in, I had the raft and then I also had this like painter suit. So I, I got, um, it wasn't actually painter suit, but I got, um, I went to the hardware store to get a painter suit. And the guy was like, no, the poison ivy oil will go right through the painter suit. You need to get like rain suit. You know what I mean? So then I went and got a rain suit at big five for nine bucks. You know, I mean, I'm trying to get something disposable and, and it worked, it totally worked though. So I put the rain suit on when, when I got to that point, you know, cause there's a certain, certain elevation you get kind of down by the river and then for about seven miles, you're through the poison and then you get out of it when you climb the other side, but then you got to come back through it. So, um, but when I got to that point, then I put the suit on, you know, went through that, that section, flipped it out, marked it. So when I came back down for the repeat, then I put the suit back on and did it all inside out and, you know, my COVID technique <laughs> with the <laughs> don't touch anything, right? Yeah. You practice. Um, so I did that technique and then at the very end, then I bagged it up right away and, uh, carried it out. You know what I mean? And I didn't get poison, poison ivy. I didn't get poison ivy the first time either, but I, I, I did it with my clothes and then I just threw my clothes away and I finished without like, I, I just threw my clothes, you know, into the bag and I got lucky. But the second time, so I was more prepared. Um, and then having the pack raft, yeah, I just was able to just smooth across the, the river. So I think, um, you know, I don't know if that saved me any time, honestly, just because I think I think with the setup and then I was a little bit more relaxed. So I, I actually ate some food and the, the first time I just I just kept going because I was so cold and just kind of in just the, that anxious state that I couldn't stop. And so um, I probably was about the same time on my river crossings, but I think it really helped me. Yeah, just make the climbs more effort. It's kind of like golf. Like I like to equate some things to golf, like when you're when you're going for a drive if you swing it well, unless you're unless you're what's that guy happy gilmore <laughs> unless you're happy gilmore if you like swing it super duper hard usually the ball doesn't go as far and if you 
And, and same thing with frisbee golf. And if you do it nice and smooth, it actually goes further. And so I think, you know, that's the trick with some of these distance and these FKTs. It's not so much just like hammering it to the wall, you know, 24 seven, it's just about finding the smoothest pace or the way to make it through a, each individual section in the smoothest way possible. And so it's a lot of strategy and I'm, I'm really into the strategy and stuff, but health Canyon was definitely a lot of strategy, even the river crossing, because it wasn't exactly in the middle. It was about on the way out. It was about two thirds of the way. So and then, so meaning on the way back, it's going to be about a quarter in or whatever. And then, you know, a third of the, and then, um, it's going to, you know, so I had to figure out so that I could be at the river at the peak time of day for like sun and warmth and visibility. Um, which wound up being leaving the trailhead about one or 2 AM. Um, and that's kind of tricky there too, because it's on time zone. So my phone kept flipping back and forth and, yeah. I don't know, for whatever reason, it was, yeah, it kept, like, resetting the alarm, and so it was, like, I didn't know what what 1 o'clock I was going to wake up at or what 12 o'clock I was going to wake up at, so that was tricky to begin with, uh, so then I wound up just setting a timer and not relying on the phone alarm, uh, just like a countdown timer, um, so I did it that way, that really, that was the second time, so that worked, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of strategy that helped out the second time, I wound up improving my time, by like an hour. So I went 22 hours and 43 minutes the second time, uh, which is pretty good. So that chunked it down from 36 hours to 26 hours to just under 23 hours. And I think the next guy, I think another guy could come and, you know, make it even quicker. And this is, this is another little, little, I don't know how, you know, I know I see you have have had some FKT guys on your show, uh, but I haven't been able to listen to every show um, just between work and just being out running around uh, but i do appreciate a lot of your shows and uh get to get to check in but so just just in case you don't know but um uh so the fkt is like there's uh i forget what i was going to say right there <laughs> well let's talk about the actual route um you know where did you start uh what side so so hell's canyon looks like it's is between idaho and oregon on the snake river um can you talk about where you started, where you went? Is that right? Yeah. So I followed one of the routes that's on FKT.com, the fastest known time. I was looking for some routes, you know, that would be in my, my potential, uh, because there's some routes that are just blown out that I could never do. They're, they're way too fast and, uh, I would have zero chance, but I saw an opportunity on this one. It looked, it looked, I don't know. It just called to me. It was one of those things. I mean, how do you know, you know, you, you invest a lot into one of these things, depending, you know, depending on how close it is for me, it was on the other side of the state. So it wasn't too bad. At least it wasn't on the other side of the country. Right. I didn't have to fly. I was able to drive. Um, and it was just a day trip. So it wasn't like I was, you know, out there for weeks on end or anything like that. So I did have a minimal investment into it. And then I did buy the pack raft and stuff. So, um, but you know, you do something like this and you don't know whether you're going to, and if you're doing it for that reason, I mean, I kind of was doing it for that reason. I wanted to challenge. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the scenery and stuff. And I do a lot of scenic hikes. There, there's a lot of places I go strictly for the scenery, but this was one that I really wanted to, to do for the physical challenge. I mean, I looked around and enjoyed the views, but it was more just like, can I do this, this, you know, can I cross the deepest, you know, river Canyon in North America twice in less than you know 24 hours. So it was really just a challenge to be able to do that. So, but I looked at the route and followed the descriptions there. So it went from windy 
to to uh, Windy Point, which is a uh, or Windy Saddle, excuse me, which is a trailhead on the Idaho side, over to Hat Point, which is a, a fire lookout tower on the Oregon side. And you could go either way. Actually, this is what's called an open route. I think this is what I was going to say earlier is uh, is open route versus kind of a closed route. So a closed route is very finite, like the PCT. That's a closed route. You're on the PCT. But an open route is like get to this summit and back to the trailhead, you know, any way you want. So that's what this is. This is, is what's called an open route. So you get from get from the Windy, Windy Saddle Trailhead to Hat Point Trailhead. And it's really who's got the best line, who's got the best route. You don't have to to stick to anything. I followed the existing, you know, what people had already been doing just because I want I didn't want to go out there and just blave my own, you know, path. I wanted to follow because they followed trails. So I mean these, even though there was no trail, it wasn't because there wasn't at one time a trail. There there you could tell that there used to be a trail and but it's just so few people out there and it's just so overgrown and you know, all the dead trees and everything. It's, it's, there's parts of it. And if you know what you're looking for, you can find a lot of saw cuts and save a lot of time. That's what I did. And looking for little twisted branches and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so the open route is, is a, a different aspect. And I think somebody could go back and, and maybe do a different route and make it even faster. But I liked having the, at least having some kind of trail to follow instead of just being out there, trail is just trying to go for a direct line so because this this route in particular isn't the most direct you do it's more like the letter c so you kind of swoop way around and come back where it's more direct to go point to point but then you're just bushwhacking along who knows what so i didn't <laughs> want to do that so i followed i followed existing trail but yeah this is an open route um which is cool yeah because it gives people opportunity to explore when they're you know, if they want to, it's basically about participation. That's, that's kind of what I'm seeing with the FKT is, is it's such an opportunity to participate on so many different levels because you can help chisel away some of these routes. Like maybe the way that this route goes, you know, nobody's, maybe nobody hasn't, maybe nobody's tried the other way. It just needs somebody to do it. And then maybe that's the ultimate way. And then everybody's like, hey, thanks. You know, you really like hooked it up. And now this route's doable for a lot more people. Because the route that we took and that I took is not that doable for a lot of people. Uh, but there might be another route, another way that is more, do, you know, more friendly uh, for people. And so I think it's also about discovering that. And that was kind of like what I was saying earlier with um you know, as the, as the trails are wild, they're only approachable by certain people. And then as they get more developed, more defined and refined, then, then more, more people can approach them. And then uh, it makes them more inviting and more comfortable for some of the faster people, I think. I don't know. And I'm not saying that there's not fast people who, who are ready to get all grungy and cut up and possibly get poison oak or poison ivy. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to go through that or risk that. They don't, you know, it's just, it's a risk. So the risk, um, is what keeps people away. It's what keeps these, these more rugged kind of routes, I think, accessible for somebody like me, who's just looking for that opportunity. Cause I'm not the fastest guy out there, but I see that, um, it, it's an opportunity for me to compete against known time. And like in this situation, it's like these people, they're professional, you know, they they do their thing and, 
uh, they have their strategies. And so it's like, I'm testing my strategies. I'm testing my nutrition. You know, I'm testing my, um, you know, own little skill with, with the navigating or whatever. And, and just being able to logistically do it. Like what time do I start? How much water do I bring? How much food? There's so many logistics to be able to, um, that could, that could shave time or make something more effortless. So it's all, it's, it, it, and then it's, I always look at it like, it's kind of like one of those banks, the bank that has like all the vaults or the vault bank door that has all, all the dials on it and, and the numbers and everything and the, the lock codes. And it's like, and then you dial all the different numbers and when all the numbers are dialed right, then the door opens up and unlocks. And it's kind of like that. Um, when you, when you have the nutrition right and the gear and the timing and the weather and everything is done just right, the door unlocks and like you can just float through it effortlessly where if you don't have those things in your favor, you're fighting, you're, you know, it's, it's way harder it's it's hard to recognize that in advance and to realize it in the moment when that's happening and know when to quit, know when to come back, know when to recognize it so that you can learn and, and adapt and overcome. And so I recognized a lot of that in, in the first time I went through. And so before I, I approached Hell's Canyon for the second time, I had this list of how I was going to make not not just the same time, but even better time. And so I had this little list. I'm going to say five minutes here. I'm going to say 10 minutes there. And that helped my mental state too, because as I was going through the actual hike, I was having all these small wins. I was like, boom, just made it through there. That took me wow. 15 minutes last time. Now I just made it through there in a minute this time. Yeah, I like you know, that, man. That's all these good. little small wins. And and for me, like, that's how I want to spend my day. That's how I like to spend, you know, instead of just sitting in a chair, just looking at a view or watching the news or, you know, whatever, playing video games. I mean, I like, I like going out and having these mental challenges, these physical challenges. And I think the FKT world, if you just look at the, you know, like I'm saying, just kind of like look in your area, pick like four or five little adventures, look, look for the opportunities, you know, some, some routes are new and they don't have that much time. And so you can kind of get in there before the more elite people kind of come and close it out. Eventually, I think all the routes are going to get closed out. I think that is the goal or the game. Um, but it's ever evolving door. There's always new, new adventures being discovered between the classics, you know, kind of being re revitalized. And also just um, people, people's original ideas, which are which are always fun, always creative. You know, for people these link ups that they're coming up with and these different you know themed adventures. And um, who knows, maybe someday the FKT for the Hot Springs Trail, or the Siskiyou Peaks will be on there. That'll be pretty cool. You know, I mean, somebody's going to get out there one of these days and and shred it on that kind of purest level and. And maybe that's a thing for me too. It's like on the on the when, on the multi month hike. It's so easy to get – it's easier for me, I would say, to get distracted and to want to go do side adventures and side little hikes and, you know, enjoy the moment and stay in towns and things like that. Where when I do when I do the FKTs on the single day and maybe on the two one or two day overnight, it's easy to put the blinders on and just not even think about it um, because I know I can come back and a lot of times, you, you know, it's – you're 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 staying in the area for a little bit longer so it's it's just different i don't know there's different aspects to it it's not about hiking fast to to um i don't know have the claim it's really just about using it as a tool to challenge yourself and also just to get involved with the community and like i'm saying at the beginning the whole way is just like you know recognizing these awesome 
places on the landscape and just establishing these routes and honoring these routes, uh, whether it be somebody's original route that nobody's ever done or whether it's, you know, realizing, you know, some route that's classic that maybe got forgotten about and just trying to, trying to create a museum of the most epic routes in the world. I think that's what, what the goal is. And so for me, that's not about being the fastest person. Like I'm saying, it's just about creating this museum and, you know, whoever's the fastest person, that's cool. Cause that's ever revolving. And that's, that's the goal too. It's not about one person being solidified and this, it's just about everybody having their opportunity. And, the, you know, it's kind of like a burning man mentality. It's like the more people that you can include, the better it is. And so that's why they have individual, you know, they have mixed team, they have supported, unsupported, self-supported one way, two way, you know, open course, closed course, like all so many different, it's, it's, it's not one thing by any means. It's, it's so there's a, there's a type of adventure I feel like for everybody and everybody can find their niche. They even have winter things. So I know there's a lady, I think her name is Arnett, Arlene, but she does some winter ones. And like, that's her thing. Like her FKT is like all these winter ascents. It's like gnarly. (laughs) <laughs> heck yeah you know so you just gotta find your lane talk about those other people um maybe not her specifically because you just mentioned her but um this this type of thing that you're doing here um with the hell's canyon that you you're saying is so unique that it inspires you almost like because it's 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 off the beaten path sometimes mm-hmm. w- what else are you looking at and not necessarily that you're doing but what who are the people that inspire you to do something like this Uh, I mean, I bounce back and forth, you know, it's, it's like, if you actually, I don't know, it's, I, I honestly get most of my inspiration from like skateboarders because they risk their life and they go so huge for these like glimpses, these, just like these glory moments, you know what I mean? And I, and I mean, I'm skate skateboarder till, you know, it's skate or die. It's not skate or die. It's like, it's not you skate cause you die. It's you die cause you stop skating, <laughs> but <laughs> your spirit but it keeps, yeah, it's another therapy for me. But, um, anyways, I just look at these people and I just kind of like, yeah, just follow, I try to follow my own path, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I, there's this guy, Grayson Fletcher is who comes to mind when you think of like who inspires me, it's that guy, for, but he's a skateboarder, <laughs> but like I'm saying, it's because he goes so big and he's so like free and happy and he's creative and just kind of living in the moment and, and he, but he also surfs and does all these other things. And so it's not like that's his only thing. And like I'm saying, when I come in here, it's, it's, I don't, I, I don't, I haven't met anybody yet that I know of who's, who's like shredding the trails, but also publishing routes yeah. and also, you know, pioneering other people's routes because it, you'll notice in there that there's routes that people have submitted, but there's no time for. And some of them have been on there for a long time you know, somebody had an idea for a route, they submitted it, they accepted it. And then it's like, okay, who's going to go do this route? <laughs> and then nobody's gone and done it. So a couple of mine have been like that. Like, okay, nobody's going to go do this route. I'll go check it out. Um, so I've got a couple in there that are like that, you know, where you're the guinea pig. So it's like, I've been the guinea pig. I think that that's fun too. You know, it's, it's a little less stressful because there's really no time to beat. <laughs> you know? So, but you still want to do a good time. You know, you don't want to slack off. Um, and sometimes you just have to go big in order to, to make it without having to carry a sleeping bag and stay the night and 
run out of water and all that stuff. So there, it is a challenge whether you're going to try to beat somebody's time or just try to survive the mission. Some of these, you know, you're just trying to survive the mission. Well, uh, with- the Hell's Canyon was a little bit like that, just trying to survive the mission. I did have a time in the back of my head, but at a certain point, it was like, I don't care what time I get done. I just want to get done. Um, so, but that was a more of a wild adventure. Um, that's what I was looking for. But for, for somebody like me, it's, I do like everything. I like sometimes going into something super crazy, which this was for me. Hell's Canyon was, was, was really unique, really something wild. But I also love just taking cruiser little vacation days. And, and I think you'll notice in my, my FKT is that it's kind of well-rounded. So, um, I don't. I haven't really noticed anybody else in particular in this world who's. You know, there's some athletes I feel like who are crushing it and who have really good times. And um, I don't know if it's the accent or what, but uh, Killian Jornet, I definitely like appreciate his his vibe and his positivity and energy. But he he's like a solid trail runner, more of like an alpinist, but uh, like a mountain man. You know, not like out on the track or the road or anything, but just a trail guy. You know, he likes like like I like he likes craggy terrain. I like I like that kind of stuff. So Killian Jornet, he's like that, and he's on the FKT. I think I just surpassed him with the last <laughs> FKT. It doesn't matter. It's it, it's not about like it's funny because like their their leaderboard is is like how many you have, you know. But I'm saying like people are on different levels. Some people only want to do the big exclusive hard ones that are really like, you know, bangers. Some people are creating like I'm doing a little bit of everything. I'm getting some of the easy ones around where I live. I'm creating some routes because I see some opportunities, some things that need to be honored. And then also I just saw some routes that nobody had tried before. So I went out and just guinea pigged them. And then there was a few routes that had times that are established. That was like, like this Hell's Canyon has been going on for, you know, 30 years. And so it's like, okay, now it's my turn to take a swing at it. And so I want to do a little bit of everything. And so right now my, my profile is pretty well-rounded between, you know, like I'm saying all these different, different things. And so between, but between two or three of this and that, it's allowed me to, to kind of jump up in that world. And, um, but I do, you know, just like any world, I want to be a steward. And so I want to, you know, it's not about the fastest time. And that means that you're going to cut a bunch of switchbacks. You know, it doesn't mean the fastest time. And so now that gives you the right to go out and leave a bunch of trash on the landscape, you know, be rude to the locals and, you know, blast down the dirt roads past private property and all, all these things you know what i mean that what people do when they're in a rush or, or they just feel entitled or whatever and so it's like it's, it's also an opportunity there to just educate people you know on on also how to how to kind of travel to these awesome places and and really leave a good impact a good footprint you know leave a positive positive uh you know impression for so that so that when the next hiker the next runner whatever adventure comes up that they are welcomed and received by the locals and by the, by the establishments. So I think that that's huge. Um, and then also just like the, the food, you know, thing, I think that there is an opportunity there to kind of test the nutrition. So like I'm saying that that's what I'm personally doing is also, it's like, well, I know this guy ahead of me was on emergency and, and, you know, tailwind and, and goo tablets. And it's like, there's his time. And then it's right. like, okay, I'm coming in on avocados and broccoli and bananas, carrots, and here's my time. And so it's a, it's just a, a great example or just an opportunity for me to be able to do that. And so uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now these days. Um, Hell's Canyon was, was that, <laughs> that example of just what you can do on kale chips and figs. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I like-
like that. Man. Yeah. So, and that's how I am. I mean, like when I find things that are um, really broad spectrum, you know, like that have these different avenues and stuff, like you can be a publisher, you can be an athlete, uh, you can be a researcher, you know, you can, you can go wild, you can go resort and all fancy there's just, when I see these little communities like this, like hot springs are like that, you know, you got, you can't really define a hot springer because there's hot spring is like everything. There's like your dirt guys. who just want to take a mud bath or whatever. And then you got your fancy resort and they'll pay $2,000 and they don't want to, you know, they want to get a pedicure and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's there, there's all these worlds within, you know? And so I think the, that, uh, trail running or just fastest known time in particular is, uh, is one of those worlds where you just got so many different kind of characters. Like you can't stereotype or, or try to try to like put, put a, you know, a set image on what it means to be an FKT athlete because it's, there's so many opportunities and so many uh, variations. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. And so it's like, I just find my lane in there as a whole food hiker. I'm just the guy, like I'm saying, just eating the vegetables, but also just, trying to trying to find those those little niches on the landscape that that are being overlooked well right on man well we're gonna have to end this one here and um <laughs> i do want to ask you one question though before before we finish yeah, what's out. That? um you talk a lot about kale chips um and i know like a lot of people make their own that kind of thing <laughs> you gotta you gotta give us some suggestions on what your favorite kale chip is Whatever's in the discount bin. Uh, <laughs> I, I have actually been just like kind of hitting the discount bin lately, but just, you know, cause of COVID and I'm just in between things right now. And so, uh, I guess I learned about grocery outlet, like a few, only like a year or half ago. I think they're popping up everywhere, but so there's a few of them around, but there's in the one in Klamath Falls, man, I don't want to give my secret away, but man, like they got everything. So I've been getting these Brad's kale chips for two ninety nine for like a big old bag. Uh, so I've been snacking on those for this summer, summer 2020. But before that, I was eating Higher Power, which is a local. They're definitely better. The Higher Power ones, no joke, are way better. Like you can take, it's like eating stale bread and then eating some fresh, like home home baked bread, fresh out of the oven. It's like, whoa, okay, that's what bread is actually. It's like, whoa, yeah, that's what. But the the Brad's ones are good. They're still organic. They're still, they're still, uh tasty and everything but it's it's just on a different level you know there's good and then there's like gourmet so sometimes i'll get the gourmet ones but lately i've been going for the brads just because it's in the discount bin and um yeah just trying to like stretch things out um but then homemade as well uh i just been on the run personally so you know but i just i just usually just do straight kale chip and then um, you just kind of need need it and just a little sprinkle of olive oil and I just do it straight like that. But I know a lot of people like to do like tahini and some some almond butter and then nutritional yeast and add some herbs and stuff. Those are those are better by far. They're more like um I don't want to say cookie, but it's it's it, I don't know. It just takes on a different consistency when you add all of the crumbs and the topping and everything to it. Uh, but it, it definitely takes a lot more time and energy. And I'm just, I'm just super simple. I just would rather just, you know, have those things on the side and just eat, eat, you know, take a spoon and eat the tahini as I eat the handful of kale chips. That's just kind of the person I am. I usually have like whole raw 
you know, minimally processed ingredients. And then I just have them spread out in front of me. And then I grab a little handful of this, a little handful of that, and make little combinations. And that's, that's usually how I eat. But I do do sometimes, and a lot more this year, just because, like I said, I've been shopping out of grocery outlet now, the discount bin. I've been doing a lot more food experiments with different, I guess, prepackaged stuff. Um, I don't know, nothing too fancy or crazy, but there's just a, like a lot of things right now. With the, I just found this, I haven't posted about it or anything, but it's this uh, dehydrated uh, butternut squash. It's a one whole squash, one whole butternut squash dehydrated in this little thing. But I'm going to make some pasta out of it one of these nights here soon. But I don't know. Yeah, you just I'm a flexitarian, so there's there's sometimes I want to be superfood and just nothing but top shelf, but other times you got to make do and and that's what it's all about. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Right now I'm just trying to stretch it and still eat organic and still eat whole, but instead of, you know, instead of some of the goji berries, it's been cranberries and, you know, instead of some of the superfood powders, it's just been sea salt and olive oil, <laughs> but that's part of life. You know what I mean? It's, you can't just be feasting on, you know, gourmet all the time, but it makes it make, it's going to make it good. Like one of these days to get back, you know, because I, I've been also doing construction and stuff. And so like right now it's with COVID, they've even stopped a lot of the schooling. And so the apprenticeships and stuff that are all on hold. And, and so like, I've been out of work for a couple of months now. And so that's part of the, this, why I'm going out and doing what I'm doing now is, I don't want to invest too much time in a multi-week or multi-month because I could get back, I could get called back to work at any time. Um, so I'm just going day by day and, and I'll definitely go back to work when I get called. Um, but in the meantime, it's like, yeah, there's really nothing going on. The projects that are open for what I do is it, it already booked up. And so, um, yeah, just trying to make do man it's crazy times, but I wish everybody well, it's, 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 it's I think things are going to turn around, you know, I, it's, it's it's all cyclical and stuff. So I think uh, everybody needs to get out there and vote in whatever which way they're leaning, or they just need to like go full on in and just like make their voice known and just commit and we and then figure out a way to to uh, compromise. Because what I've always said is and have always thought is that when you have an opinion and you have another opinion, the goal isn't really to hold either one of those opinions. The goal is actually to, when you have two opinions is to find the compromise within between them. And that's actually where the gold is. And, and the compromise would never, whatever comes out of the compromise would never have happened without the stern opinions, difference of opinions. And so the difference of opinions are honored. They're still honored in the compromise. You know, they're, they're actually, they're, 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 necessary for the compromise and so it's it's not like one party wins or loses it's really a skill to be able to compromise and so i think as a country what we need to do and what we need to figure out how to get back to is to figure out how to compromise because comp compromising is where the magic is and that's what you're going to do on a hike you're going to have to compromise you're, you're going to have your strategy and what you think is going to happen and then you're going to get out there and you're going to have to compromise and so you know, that was my skill. That was what allowed me to do the Hell's Canyon. The sub 24 hours was my ability to be able to compromise with the landscape. And, you know, it's like, how am I going to get across this river and, you know, make it home in time. So, um, yeah, nah, just wishing everybody well. And I guess that's the lesson of the lesson from hell is, uh, <laughs> better figure out how to compromise. 
if you can figure out how to compromise and you can master your interpretation, you know, like I'm saying, like the, the landscape was looking like it was like a level 10, but through my interpretation, I was able to bring it down to a six. If you can master the interpretation and learn how to compromise and then there's nothing you can't do in life, it'll help you physically. It'll help you mentally. I think it'll help just make the world a better place. So let's, let's focus on that. Get out there, hit the trail. Think about that. Right on, Zoner, man. Hey, thanks so much. And uh, just uh, keep living your life to the fullest, man. You, you do it well. Yeah, good chatting with, good chatting with you, brother, man. Uh, we'll uh, see you out here on one of these events one day when Aldi gets back up and running. All right, sounds good, man. All right. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, Rudy. CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass, playing mandolin in a white dress. I come running when I hear that song. It could never be wrong. It could never be wrong. Where you wanna run, baby, I'll run too. I would leave this world for a beautiful girl if I could.